We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 27, Doctrine and Covenants 71-75. through 75. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. We're sitting at June 28th to the 4th of July. At the beginning of the lesson, I read this a lot, but I always really like the, the little tidbit that it has at the beginning of the lesson. It's really good reminders or advice on how to make your study more meaningful or focus your teaching or how to help your kids. So this week it says, the children you teach learn a lot in class, but they'll learn even more if they develop a habit of studying the scriptures at home. Consider how you can encourage and support gospel learning in the home. And I was thinking about that as a mom. Obviously, I can encourage gospel learning in the home more than a primary teacher can because I, it, I'm in the home and I can initiate a lot of that um, gospel discussion and, and I can emulate it and try to show the kids through my example how we learn the gospel. And, um, but sometimes it's overwhelming and hard to, to try to find more ways to do it. And I love that as I've been studying and, and doing more things, I've had more and more whisperings of the spirit just to give me little ideas of ways to make the the way we study the gospel in my home. A little bit more effective things that will work for my kids and things that I think they will respond to well um, it's still rough it's still not perfect I you know you have all these dreams as a mother of <laughs> exactly how awesome things are gonna go right and it never goes that way but as we rely on the spirit and we trust our Heavenly Father he will he will help us and it's true if we teach our children the pattern of how to learn the gospel, they're going to have a lot more success in understanding and learning the gospel than just having fun in primary or our family home evening lessons. So we're trying to start habits and help them learn the patterns of a healthy, righteous life. So some insights from this week that I gained in my personal study Section 71, I wanted to read verses 5 and 6. Now behold, this is wisdom. Whoso readeth, let him understand and receive also. For unto him that receiveth, it shall be given more abundantly, even power. And as I was thinking and reading through this, the thought came to me that as we read the scriptures, we need to seek to understand them and receive them, is what it says. And I was thinking about, well, what does it mean to receive the scriptures? Not just like, you know, hold them in our hands, right? And take them into our homes. But um, what does it mean to actually receive them and to gain power from receiving them? So I looked up the definition of receive because I like to kind of get a little bit more uh, meaning behind these words. And I like, it says to be given, presented with, or paid or another definition is suffer, experience, or be subjected to. Some synonyms are accept, obtain, earn, 
experience, sustain, go through. Those are the ones that I kind of pulled out that I thought could mean something a little bit more. As we take the scriptures and we go through them, we obtain them, we earn them, we accept them, we experience them. Do you experience the scriptures? I liked that one a lot because I think there is an experience to be had there. And I know that when I let myself feel the spirit and like take the time to really experience the scriptures, it's beautiful. And I get so much more out of it. And then comes the power behind the scriptures. And I really liked thinking about that. Um, so I started thinking about that. How do we accept the scriptures? How do we experience them? How do we sustain them? How can we earn them? So as you think about those things in your personal life, in your personal study, and even for your kids, that's where we get scripture power. And I want you to remember that as you're trying to help your kids learn and develop these habits, that this is how we will get the power that we need to defeat Satan. All right, section 72 I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, And verily in this thing ye have done wisely, for it is required of the Lord at the hand of every steward to render an account of his stewardship both in time and in eternity. So I started thinking about stewardship. There's so much meaning and depth about stewardship. And I was thinking about the things that I'm a steward of in, in my life right now. I know the main one being a mother. I'm also a steward in that I've been called to be an activity day leader. And so I was thinking about um, rendering an account of my stewardship. Uh, oh, I was also thinking about this with ministering. And if I give an account, if I, the Relief Society president or the bishop called me right now and asked me to give a report on how I was doing with my ministering, how would I feel? Would I feel good about like, oh yeah, things are great. <laughs> you know, like, I'm doing what I can. I'm I'm going and visiting my sisters or I'm calling them and checking on them. Um, today, I can say I did a good job because I actually did some ministering today. I went out of my way to talk to these sisters and, um, and even um, did something to help one of them. And I was grateful for the opportunity because not like usually they're just, we're great. I don't need any help. But luckily the Lord blessed me with an opportunity to serve one of my sisters. And it was a great, great experience. And I was so grateful for that. So today I'm feeling great about my ministering stewardship. Am I feeling great about my mothering stewardship? Not as great. But I think about that sometimes if the Lord were to sit down with me and ask me how I was doing in my stewardship as a mother. How would I feel? Am I doing a good job? Am I doing my best? We'll get to that in a little bit later in the lesson, but I just wanted to kind of start thinking about stewardship and um, what the Lord's asking from us here. Alright, also in section 72, I'm going to Go to verses 14, 15, and 16. And the labors of the faithful who labored spiritual things in administering the gospel and the things of the kingdom unto the church and unto the world shall answer the debt unto the bishop in Zion. Thus it cometh out of the church, for according to the law, every man that cometh up in Zion must lay all things before the bishop in Zion. 
And now verily I say unto you that as every elder in this part of the vineyard must give an account of his stewardship unto the bishop in this part of the vineyard. So I started thinking about um, our relationship with our with the bishop and as his role in the ward is to bless the ward temporally and spiritually and to make sure that our needs are taken care of. And it talks about consecrating things to the bishop like to the church right and the bishop is the lord's steward here in that place that he where he he takes our offerings and he distributes them as needed and a lot of times in the doctrine and covenants we hear about this with money right because they they had to give of their substance and their land and their money and and the things that they had to help each other and to build up Zion. But I was thinking about what we're asked to do in the church today and what we what we're asked and what we have to give. And so I started thinking about do we hide our what we have, like our talents, from the bishop or from people in the ward because we don't want to share them. Um so I was thinking about that. When the bishop asks you if you feel comfortable with doing something, first of all, are you denying that you have that talent? And also, use it. Develop it. Do what you can to to contribute to the Lord's work. And <laughs> in my notes, I put, own up to what you're good at. <laughs> I think that's really important because a lot of people kind of downplay themselves. And I, I remember a bishop telling me once, it's okay to talk about things that you're good at. It's okay to acknowledge that you have talents and have abilities. And it's okay to talk about yourself like, and acknowledge that you have um, gifts from the Lord. And I appreciated that he, he kind of gave me permission to recognize my strengths. Um, Alright, so moving down, section 73. And... This, verse 6 says, Now I give no more unto you at this time. Gird up your loins and be sober. Even so, amen. And so I started kind of looking into this. I went to First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13, and it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Um, so I looked into what gird means. <laughs> gird means to encircle someone or body part with something like a band or piece of clothing. It can also mean to prepare oneself for something difficult or challenging. I didn't, I wasn't really aware of that, but I understand that connotation. I remember, like, that's what I think of when I hear it, but I kind of more assumed that it usually meant to encircle your body, right? And I think sometimes, like, when something is uncomfortable or scary, we kind of, like, curl up or cover our bodies right i know my kids like to like bury themselves in a blanket when they get scared but that's what we're doing right we're encircling our body we're putting on something that we feel protected by and so as i started thinking about this and thinking about the armor and what the lord is telling joseph to do gird up your loins and be prepared and when i was also thinking about when we gird our loins, the loins are girded with truth. So we are surrounding ourselves with truth in preparation for something that's going to be hard 
and come and try to like smack us in the face, right? Um, I was also interested in that it's always paired with being sober. In both um, section 73 and in Peter, it talks about being sober. So I was interested, I I looked up the definition of being sober. It, you know, goes with, um, you know, drug use and alcohol use and, and trying to clean your body from those substances. But it also could be, could mean um, being clear-headed, temperate, not self-indulgent, being serious, logical, plain, strict, thoughtful, dignified, and steady. Aren't those good words? I loved the idea of putting truth as like kind of the forefront in our, or wrapping ourselves in truth and being prepared to stand. And as we do that, we are logical, we're plain, we're thoughtful, we're steady. We are ready to take on what the adversary is going to throw at us. And um, in section 73, we'll get into that a little bit. All right, section 74 in the heading, it says, Questions had arisen about the proper mode of baptism, leading the prophet to seek answers on the subject. Joseph Smith's history states that this revelation is an explanation of 1 Corinthians seven fourteen, which is a scripture that had often been used to justify in infant baptism. So I went to 1 Corinthians seven fourteen. It says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. And then I continued reading, and I went down to verse 19 that stood out to me. It says, Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. So they're kind of arguing about whether or not to circumcise their kids, is basically what was going on in um, Corinth. And um, But I liked, the, my, my takeaway from this is that the Lord wants us to focus on what's important. Instead of being worried about all the nitty-gritties of whether or not we're supposed to circumcise, we should focus on keeping the commandments and living the gospel. I also like the thing that keeps coming to mind, and I don't know if this is exactly what it was intended to mean, but my takeaway, where it says, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. I think about that. Times in our lives, we all kind of go through these ups and downs and um, struggles and things in our lives. And I think so often, as husbands and wives, we can support each other through our weaknesses. And when one is struggling, the other can be there to help them. And um, I look at so many couples that I know that I look up to as being strong and I see that they they help each other they're there for each other and they um kind of make up for each other's weaknesses and I hope that I am that kind of spouse where I can help my husband all right so back to section 74 um in verse 7 it says but little children are holy being sanctified through the atonement of Jesus Christ and this is what the scriptures mean. Don't you love that verse? Isn't that beautiful? So he's basically saying, this this section was talking about how infant baptism was not necessary. That's what they were they were talking about and what they were questioning. And 
I, I love that little children are holy, being sanctified through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And this is what the scriptures mean. I love how plain and uh, forward it is. Section 75. Um, I'm going to do verses 9, 10, and 11. Proclaim the things which I have commanded them, calling on the name of the Lord for the Comforter, which shall teach them all things that are expedient for them, praying always that they faint not. And inasmuch as they do this, I will be with them even until the end. So, what I like about this, pray and you will receive strength. And then I was like, thinking about it, I was like, oh, it's like, if you ask for it, the Lord will give it to you. That's all he's saying. Like, you just need to pray or call on the name of the Lord for the comforter, which shall teach them all things. And it will give you strength and comfort. But then, down in section or verse 27, it says, Let them ask, and they shall receive. Knock, it shall be opened unto them, and be made known from on high, even by the Comforter, whither they shall go. Isn't that perfect? It's exactly like my train of thought was going that direction, and then the Lord said it. Let them ask, and they shall receive. And then verse 29, Let every man be diligent in all things, and the idler shall not have place in the church, except he repent and mend his ways. And I loved, I loved that. Um, and also hate it because, you know, <laughs> the Lord does not condone my lazy ways. The Lord expects us to work and we need to put forth our effort. All right. So we're going to kind of touch on some of those things I talked about as we get going. But I wanted to share my insights kind of separate from the bulk of it because I, I, I don't know. That's just seemed like it would work. Good. <laughs> the first section is I can defend the truth by sharing my testimony. So, use the section heading for Doctrine and Covenants 71, or you can look in the Doctrine and Covenants stories to teach the kids about what was going on and what inspired section 71. So, in Doctrine and Covenants 71, verse 1, it says, Behold, thus saith the Lord unto you, my servants Joseph Smith Jr. and Sidney Rigdon, that the time has verily come, that it is necessary and expedient in me that you should open your mouths in proclaiming my gospel, the things of the kingdom, expounding the mysteries thereof out of the scriptures, according to that portion of the spirit and power which shall be given unto you, even as I will. So, go through this scripture and help them find what the Lord is wanting Joseph and Sidney to do, and to think about the unfriendly feelings that people had toward the church. So, if you go back to the section heading... It explains a little bit about what was going on. It says the brethren were to go forth to preach in order to allay the unfriendly feelings that had developed against the church as a result of the publication of the letters written by Ezra Booth, who has now apostatized. And so if you think about this, there's a lot of negative feelings going on. And so Joseph is asked to go and start teaching and expounding the mysteries i love that expanding the mysteries of the kingdom or uh, mysteries thereof out of the scriptures and so it says what did he say that they would be given to help them well they were given spirit and power and um i love that the mysteries and the the things of the kingdom will be shown to the people as they feel like and impressed by the Spirit to share those things. So, how can we be like Joseph and Sidney? I know I want to be more like Joseph and Sidney. I want to be 
so righteous and and be able to teach with the spirit and to have that power as i'm teaching but i think also i need to be a student of the scriptures and to know to know what i'm talking about and to turn to the lord to receive revelation when i need to understand something better joseph was really good at that which is why we have so many revelations because every time he had a question he went to the lord and he received an answer so one of the things that Manuel suggests is that you can invite the children to practice in pairs how to share with others what they know about the church. So they can share a simple testimony, or they can share an article of faith, or the words to a song. They could talk about what they did at church, or what they learned in primary. They can talk about their family home evening lesson, and they can talk about how they feel. So, just another way to practice sharing the gospel. Next section is, the Lord has called a bishop to help me. And this is in the older and the younger kids section. So some of the things might seem either repetitive, like I like it told you to do more than once. Um, because I'm kind of using both sections in, in one here. So one of the ideas is to bring items that represent the responsibilities of a bishop. So you could do like... Um, you're trying to use these items to, to help the kids understand what the bishop does. So you could bring a tithing slip, scriptures, book of Mormon, or sorry, a picture of the bishop giving counsel, a temple recommend, um, if you want to talk about the bishop's storehouse or anything like that, you could um, bring things that kind of show that. And then read Doctrine and Covenants 72 verse 2, which says, For verily thus saith the Lord, it is expedient in me for a bishop to be appointed unto you, or of you unto the church in this part of the Lord's vineyard. So you can then start talking about the Lord called Edward Partridge to be the second bishop. He already has, sorry, Edward Partridge is the first bishop. And then he calls another bishop. Um, so he, Edward Partridge is moved to move from Kirtland to Missouri. And um, you can also use the story from um, the Doctrine and Covenants stories. It's chapter 17 in there, so you could use that to tell the story as well. So, you could also um, go through what the Lord expects bishops to do and talk about, um, in, in section 72, it talks some about, or some of the verses explain some of the rules of the bishop and what they're supposed to be doing. So you could ask the kids, what does the Lord, why does the Lord call bishops? Share with the children experience when you were blessed by the service of a bishop. You could also take the children on a little field trip, if you're at church, down to the bishop's office. If you do that, it says you might want to coordinate with other teachers <laughs> so you don't all go at the same time. Um, but you can go down and... Um, kind of show the kids where the bishop's office is. You could show them the tithing slips. You could talk about how when they get baptized, they'll go in there for a baptismal interview or a temple recommend interview when they're older. Um, talk about tithing settlement or other reasons might you might go see the bishop. Invite the children to make a list of some of the things they've seen the bishop do and help people in the ward. You could have them draw pictures of the bishop doing some of the things they mentioned. There's also the activity page at the end of the the lesson that has a bunch of pictures of different things that the bishop does and so they can color that 
Another idea is to have the kids make cards to give to the bishop, thanking him for what he does to help with the Lord's work. So you could do some of those things, like the activity page or drawing pictures, and then turn those into cards for the bishop if you want to do that. Um, also, I kind of made an interesting connection. In the friend, there is an activity in there that teaches the kids how to make origami hearts. I'm like, well, that would be kind of fun to make origami hearts and then hang them on the bishop's door or take them to his house. So the Individuals and Family Manual does suggest that as a family you could take the bishop treats or, you know, go decorate his door. You can, like, heart attack him or whatever. You could do it in secret or you could knock on his door and say thank you to his face. I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, if everybody in the ward does this for family night, the bishop's going to get a lot of food and a lot of little cards. But I think that's great because the bishop needs to feel how much we appreciate him because bishops do a lot of work, especially this time of year with all the youth camps and different things going on. They put, they take a lot of time to to serve the people in our ward. Last thing and um, most important thing is that you need to bear your testimony. Bear your testimony that your bishop was called by the Lord to be his servant. Why are we grateful that the Lord has called a bishop in our ward? All right, another section. The Lord commanded Joseph Smith to restore precious truths that were lost from the Bible. So as part of what Joseph was doing as the president or the prophet um, of the church was that he was commanded to make some inspired revisions to the Bible. So these revisions are called a translation. So you could talk about how as the Bible was translated through the years by other people, some of the truths of the the Bible were lost. And Joseph was um, told to kind of retranslate or put in some of those things that were meant to be there. Um, explain that when Joseph Smith and Sidney Rigdon returned from a short mission near Kirtland, Ohio, the Lord wanted them to resume work on an important project. Invite the children to read Doctrine and Covenants 73, verse 3, to find out what the project was. This is now verily a say unto you, my servants, Joseph Smith Jr. and Sidney Rigdon, saith the Lord, it is expedient to translate again. So, in order to teach the kids a little bit about translation, you can have them read parts of the Bible Dictionary about Joseph Smith translation so they know what we're talking about here. You could also look up some of the translation in in the um, in the Bible or in the back of the Pearl of Great Price, the Joseph Smith Matthew, to show the kids what Joseph was working on. Another idea is that you could pass around a copy of the Bible and let the kids look at it and see how many pages are in it and invite them to think about what it would be like to translate the Bible into another language and how overwhelming and and challenging that could be. What are the chances that they'll make mistakes? Explain that when the Bible, or when people translated or copied the Bible before Joseph's time, they made some mistakes and sometimes they removed important truths. But the Lord commanded the prophet Joseph Smith to make inspired corrections. Why is Joseph Smith's work valuable to us? Next section, I can give my best effort to the Lord. So this is kind of fun. You could have the kids act out different acts of service or even just 
Um, I also suggested it could be chores that you do around the house. Um, that's from the Individuals and Families Manual. But some of the things that they suggested is you could act out cleaning a room in the church or washing dishes at home. Have the class or the kids or teacher read Doctrine and Covenants 75 verse 3, which says, Behold, I say unto you that it is my will that you should go forth and not tarry, neither be idle, but labor with your might. Ask the children to show how they would do service lazily when you say, neither be idle, and show how they would work hard when you say, but labor with your might. I like that that kind of helps the kids understand what the scripture is talking about, because they may not understand that. So have them act out the two opposites. Why is it important that we do our best when we're serving the Lord? And this kind of goes back to what I was talking about before, just putting our best foot forward and doing what we can for the Lord in our stewardships. Um, It's suggested in the primary manual, a talk from Dieter F. Uchtdorf, which is called Two Principles for Any Economy. And he, this is from October 2009, and it, it says to use some of the stories he tells about work to help the kids understand the importance of working hard. So I wanted to to read a little bit about his ex- his experience here. It says, To this day, I am deeply impressed by the way my family worked after having lost everything following World War II. I remember my father, a civil servant by education and experience, taking on several difficult jobs, among which were a coal miner, uranium miner, mechanic, and truck driver. He left early in the morning and often returned late at night in order to support our family. My mother started a laundry and worked countless hours doing menial labor. She enlisted my sister and me in her business. With my bike, I became the pickup and delivery service. It felt good to be able to help the family in a small way, and though I did not know it at the time, the physical labor turned out to be a blessing to my health as well. So that's a a good story to help help the kids see how hard President Uchtdorf worked and how important it was. And then he went on to talk a lot about the virtues of of work. And I wanted to kind of read a few of the things he said. He said, It wasn't easy, but the work kept us from dwelling too much on the difficulties of our circumstances. Although our situation didn't change overnight, it did change. That's the thing about work. If we simply keep at it steady and constant, things will certainly improve. And um, he talks about the Lord won't expect us to work harder than we're able. And he recognizes our efforts. And... Uh, Work is an antidote for anxiety, an ointment for sorrow, and a doorway to possibility. Whatever our circumstances in life, my dear brethren, let us do the best we can and cultivate a reputation for excellence in all that we do. Let us set our minds and bodies to the glorious opportunity for work that each new day presents. Uh, Now, I like this analogy. He says, when our wagon gets stuck in the mud, God is much more likely to assist the man who gets out to push than the man who merely raises his voice in prayer no matter how eloquent the oration. Sorry, oration. <laughs> I liked that. I think that's something that kids can recognize and understand. I like that it... it it's a, an idea that the kids could understand, right? If you were, you know, you, you ran out of gas and you just sit in your car and pray that someone comes and brings you gas, it's a lot less likely than if you were to do something about it. Like calling somebody or go walking and going and getting your own gas right 
and um, the Lord expects us to to put some effort into what we're doing. It says the righteous work we do within the walls of our homes is most sacred. It benefits its benefits are eternal in nature. It cannot be delegated. It is the foundation of our work as priesthood holders. Isn't that beautiful? I love this was a, a talk to priesthood, but I think it can be true to mothers as well. So going back to the lesson it talks about, um, you could sing a song about working, like when we're helping, and help the kids do actions that can go with the words. It would be fun to, to kind of act it out. In the Individuals and Families Manual, it, the idea, it gives the idea that it says, perhaps you could select some household chores and invite family members to demonstrate doing those chores idly and then with all their might. How can we serve the Lord with all our might? I was like, oh, that's a great thing for family home evening. We could get our house cleaned. <laughs> Sorry, that was my thought, and I got really excited. I'm like, oh boy, my kids would see right through that. <laughs> and then in the friend, in those sections called for little friends, the idea says, help your little ones say, I can work hard. Teach your children a household chore. Teach your, sorry. Teach your children a household chore they can help with, like sweeping or putting away their toys. I know that as we teach our kids the importance of working hard, they're going to recognize that. And it will be a virtue that will help them in sharing the gospel, but also just in bettering their lives. And I, I know it's an important aspect of um, God's work, and he wants us to put forth our best effort. I know that as you put forth your efforts and, and strive to be your best and try to teach your children that the Lord will recognize your efforts and I hope that you have a great week and have some fun activities planned with your kids. Stay cool and hopefully you can have a, a great summer. So talk to you next week.